Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how you doing? Doing well. I sort of watched that Monday night game. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, that's about the attention it deserved. I was going to say, that's the that's the kind of game you do sort of watch, uh, Chargers-Jets, and it kind of never really seemed in doubt. We are mostly, here... Mostly worked, on, mostly worked on the podcast. Yeah, I know, right? It, that, that that on the side. Or I guess it was more I was working on the podcast stuff and I had the football on the side, but not a super exciting Monday night game. But we are here, like you said, Monday night, here to break down also what wasn't a super exciting game, but was an exciting game for us because, Dad, the Packers no longer have a four-game losing streak. They have won a game for the first time since week three. It feels like it's yeah, been we got it. so I mean, long. You saw that the pa- the Packers had fewer October wins than the Brewers. That's that's horrifying. You hate to see that. But anyway, we are here I to talk I, about I, that. I saw somebody tweet that somewhere. We are here to talk about that game. Packers victorious over the Rams 20-3 to this past Sunday, breaking the four-game skid. Packers improved to three and five on the year. Uh, you know, still kicking a little bit in the NFC. The NFC is pretty weak, but you know they got a win. I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself. It's exciting to get a win. Uh, but before, and we're going to break it all down for you. We're going to talk about what we like from the game, what we didn't like from the game. Before we do though, just wanted to pitch a couple of things, and that is, if you like what you hear here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. Uh, we tweet out statistics we find interesting uh, whenever we have new episodes, articles, videos that we find interesting, pieces of Packers news, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Keep you up to date with everything going on in Titletown. And then uh, come subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice as well, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, we put all our episodes out on YouTube as well. You can find them there and subscribe to us there. It would really help our numbers. But that is the whole spiel. Uh, going through it at, even faster each and every time, you know, trying to get up to that uh, disclaimers at the end of a pharmaceutical uh, advertisement. We're going to get there someday where I can just start <laughs> ripping it off in about eight times. Well, some of, those, some of those games we've been watching so far this year deserve some disclaimers. Yes, that is true, especially some of these Packers games. But like we said before, Dad, the, this game was not one of them. Packers win 20-3, to and we got a good amount to talk about in this game, a good amount of good to talk about in this game. But, Dad, let's start with some of the negatives, and let's start with the downer here, the injury report. Packers did lose a few people in this game, hopefully not for super long, but a lot of players had to exit this game at points. Uh, the first of which was Kenny Clark, who left with a shoulder injury. He was uh, he went to the locker room on a cart. Um, post game, both he and Lafleur said they didn't think it was going to be long term, and Clark was quote said, "I'll be all right." Um, beyond that, Christian yes, Watts, of course, that's future tense. It's like, and and when will you be all right? Yeah, How- a game, no games, two games. How are we feeling? Probably not IR. Hopefully. Uh, but we'll be keeping you up to date with anything news-wise on our Twitter over there that uh, we hear about the injury report on Kenny going forward. Beyond that, uh, Christian Watson was knocked out near the end of this game with listed with a back, chest, and concussion protocol. Uh, LaFleur said, I believe today, that he cleared concussion protocol um, and also said that he didn't consider the chest or back injuries to be serious, so those are both positives as well. Uh, Yash Nyman, uh, with a back injury, he actually started at left tackle for Walker in this game, and I thought was playing pretty well before he had to leave with a back injury and Walker had to come in for him. Uh, Keyshawn Nixon left with a shoulder injury, but he did come back into the game, so that is some good news. And John Runyon went into the medical tent at one point, uh, according to Paul Brettel. Uh, it was unclear for what. Uh, he left for about a series, and Sean Ryan played in his spot at right guard, and then Runyon came back the next series. So seems like hopefully it's not something that's going to keep him out. He was able to play through it. We know Runyon's played through a ton of stuff in the past, and it seems like a guy who'd rather be out there than not. This is pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Dad, any of those injury things that you want to add? Any comments that you saw? Anything about them? Um, or do you want to move I on? I just to... felt like when the Watson would happen, it's like, he got his contested catch, and now he's hurt. Yeah, we were talking about so, going but into But hopefully he this... won't miss any time. Yeah, going into and this game. And then I actually felt Go ahead, that sorry. you said Diamond was playing well when he came in. That... But Walker actually, I think, had a, had a pretty good game as well in the time he was in there. Yeah, no, no. Certainly one of his better games, I would say. I would say he, he was... Yeah. He was comporting himself a lot better than he had in some of these previous games where I I had been like, hey, I'd, I'd like to see Nyman out there because I feel like this Walker thing is just not working. And to be fair, you know, I, I think Walker's always been a decent pass protector, just not much of a run blocker. I don't know if we saw anything necessarily a whole lot better today like that would 
necessarily like dissuade us of those opinions, but the Walker held his own and the Rams D line isn't a juggernaut, especially at the edges. Uh, although they're rookie, we talked about Byron young did have a pretty good game in this one. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. Walker Walker was fine in this game. A- anything else in the injury report that you want to add or should we move on to the, the meat of our game breakdown? I, th- I think that's it. Okay. Meat of the game breakdown. Dad, biggest moment of the game. Uh, this is per ESPN win probability. It's the play that shifted that win probability the most is how we define it. And that was the Brett Rippon fumble in the first quarter um, forced by Jonathan Owens and recovered by Devondre Campbell. Uh, it took the game from a 50.4% chance of winning for the Packers to a 64.9% chance of winning for the Packers, which was a swing of 14.5%. So that was the play of the game, the most impactful play, that is. Uh, but, Dad, do you want to move on to the offense or the defense first uh, in terms of what we want to talk about today? Um, Let's talk about the offense first. Okay, offense first. Uh, do you want to start with the good or the bad? How you how you feeling today? You want to, you know... Veg- vegetables first and and uh, dessert after. Or you, 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 you want to you want to end with a good end with a good taste in your mouth. Yeah, we can we can end with the good the good stuff here because I I, I do think they were for the most part pretty good on both sides of the ball for most of the day. Uh, they're obviously not perfect. They're not a perfect team. Um, but yeah. So what do you uh what what do you want to say? I guess negative about the offense before we know you know like pivot and say some positive things. Okay, so I didn't have all that much. Uh, the one thing was they gave up four sacks. And he could definitely, I think, blame Love for some of them. So the first sack, it took was five seconds into the play he held the ball. Yeah. And then the second sack was one where Donald splits a double team and trips him up. And then the third one was like at least four seconds into the play. I think that was um, – I'm not sure who got that one. But, yeah, so there are like two sacks where he's like holding the ball for a long time, looking around, and, and it's time to get rid of it. And even the announcers were talking about he's got to have that clock going in his head. Yeah, yeah. And so that was – so the four sacks against – was the way they got them anyway was uh, avoidable, at least a couple of them. Yeah, I agree. Because I, I didn't think the pass protection was all that bad. And there were times where Donald nope. was like – there were times where Donald was doing Aaron Donald things. But for the most part, like, when you consider the fact that they had Myers and Runyon in there and Runyon Hurt and Sean Ryan in there – the fact that Donald didn't entirely take over this game, I would that's an absolute win in my opinion. I take that I take the day he had any day of the week against the players that the Packers had playing on the offensive line today, especially considering Runyon wasn't 100%. Um for me, the negative that I had was like they did a lot of good things and they actually moved the ball pretty well, but man, they just shot themselves in the foot so many different times early in this game to like keep it a tight game. Um penalties wise so they had eight total penalties of the day but six of them were on offense and four of them were just procedural penalties um and we can talk about the the two fourth down penalties in a second i just want to add one more thing but in terms of shooting themselves in the foot so four procedural penalties six total penalties on offense um and then fumbles the dontavian wicks one it's first and 10 at the 47 after a 51 yard return by Keyshawn. And you're up four and you have the chance to make it a two score game and you fumble there. That's really rough. And the way the fumble happened was just so yakety sacks. Like it was, it was just Benny Hill theme everywhere. Uh, and then do, the, do, 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 do. exactly. No, 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 sorry. It's a, uh, what is it? No, that's the, uh, what is it? And now anyway, the and then how, the, uh, the Jones one, the Jones one was after like a big third down conversion that was third and 12. They converted. And in the midst of a big run, they would have had it probably around the 40 yard line if he didn't fumble. And so, and then once again, they were only up four, like trying to essentially make it a two possession game. And so they were just shooting themselves in the foot all up and down the field. But dad, the specific ones that I think warrant discussion are the two, we talked about the four procedural penalties, but two of them were lining up offsides on the offensive line on fourth and short. Now, I think we talked about this and we can agree the first one on was on Runyon. They called it on Nyman. They meant to do it on Runyon. Yeah, he's kind of in the, in the neutral zone lined up there. The second one, I mean, what are we looking at? Like, because I don't and, see and it. Everybody's lined up the same. And I think yeah. there was a quote from Runyon after the game. It's like, I didn't know that first one was on me. I, yeah. they, they, they called it on, on Nyman, so I didn't know I had to change anything. Exactly. But in the second one, he is lined up correctly. Like, I don't know it what looks, he's supposed it looks to fine. do. Is this how they're going to get rid of the touch push? That's my question. Are they just going to start like uber over officiating the like line calls on on these fourth and so inches? here's the question is like does it make any sense at all because it seems like what they're doing if it's a point of emphasis to call the offside on the offensive line differently on those fourth and short than every other play 
Does, Why does that make any sense in the world? It, it's NFL officiating that it doesn't. I think they will officiate their way out of things if they don't. If the official, if I don't know if it's a hot take, if the officiating crew does not like something, they will just get rid of it. And it happened with PI reviews. They didn't. The officiating crew didn't like them, so they just didn't ever say that they were wrong and they just got rid of it they were like oh yeah that's right. you may remember this like yeah. they just never overturned no, anything never ever because they were never wrong apparently not one time and so they just never overturned it and at the end of the year people were like oh yeah like challenging pass interferences that didn't really do anything like what a silly no it didn't do anything because you intentionally made it useless and so i wonder if they're going to officiate out the tush push by just being super sticklers on these like off i don't know but that's kind of what it felt like it felt like just like reasons why we couldn't do things on fourth. The first one, okay. The second one, I'm like, what are we looking at? Like you're, you're, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really have anything else to add on that. It was just frustrating. And it was kind of, I'm just putting it in the section of like the Packers shooting themselves in the foot because they did shoot themselves in the foot. When you say they, they, they found ways oh, to well, that, set that, themselves that back. First, right. Un, I mean, I talk about an unforced fumble. It's like, Wicks makes a catch, loses balance, stumbles around, tries to stretch out for the first down with one hand, and this might be the only time you ever see the ground cause a fumble because they tell you it can't. But this this time it did. Yeah, as long as you're not touched and and nobody it, and had way, touched him. Just the way it pops up in the air and just lands perfectly. Perfect. He's like so close to the sideline, and it just goes straight up to the defender without without him or the ball touching the the paint first. Yeah, it's it was incredible, but. That was my only real negative because I think for the most part, did you have any other negatives on offense you wanted to add? No, that was the only thing I really wanted to talk about there. Well, I'll pivot. Because I felt like overall, they, even though the game was close for a while, they just looked like by far the better team on a down-to-down basis. Well, they scored in the first half. They finally did things in the first half. They scored a touchdown in the first half, Dad, and they hadn't done that since the Falcons game. They had since, not since done game? that since oh, oh, week okay. two. They had, they scored a touchdown week in the two. first half in the Falcons game. They they haven't done it in so long. It had been well, what they were five averaging. Games. Were they down? Were they down to less than? I know they were down to less than four points per half in the first half. I don't know if they got below three ever. They they were down below three. I, th- I think it was like four games with like nine points at one point. But so first half offense uh, coming into this game in the first halves of games, the Packers on offense had an EPA per play of negative point two two three which was 29th in the league amongst first-half offenses. So this is just weeks one to eight coming into today. And a success rate of 36.5%, which was also 29th in the league. Um, that's per rbsdm.com. And in this one, they were up to .017 EPA per play, which would be 15th if it was over the course of the year, like among all offenses in the first half. Um, and then a success rate of 44.1%. It's, pos- it's in the positive. Exactly. And a success rate of 44.1%, which would be 19th over the course of the year. And so they weren't even great in the first half today. And it was so, it felt so dramatically better because they had been such a disaster in the first halves of games for the almost the whole year. Almost the entire year so far, just a complete disaster in the first halves of games. And just to be yeah. average was startlingly different. Startlingly different. Well, to maintain maintain an entire drive for a touchdown in the first half was something... Unheard of. Like, Practically oh, this, unheard this, of. Like... There was like a, a glass of water brought out to a man in the desert. Yeah. I mean, just just to be an average offense in the first half was delightful. It was it was remarkable. Yeah, like, Ooh, I can watch this game. Yeah. And oh man, because we talked about how just unwatchable they were in the in that uh, Vikings game and in the Denver game and in the Raiders game and in the Lions game. Like like they had been borderline they had been completely unwatchable in the first halves of games for over a month and they had been borderline unwatchable in general for like the better part of like two to three weeks and so it's just to be putting a product out there that is not just bottom two bottom three in the league we'll take it we'll take average in the first half we'll take it um but that was my main positive my other one was that jordan love played pretty well um, overall he was uh, 20 of 26 for 228 yards and a touchdown. Um, so, you know, much better completion percentage than he had going into this game. Uh, 0.25 EPA per play in this game was the third highest on the year for him. Uh, and then 11.6 completion percentage over expectation was by far the highest mark on the season for him. Um, per Zach Cruz on, uh, on Twitter, 
And those stats were per rbsdm.com. And this one's per Zach Cruz on Twitter. On throws over 10 air yards, uh, Love was 6 of 8 for 118 yards. And on throws over 20 air yards, he was 2 of 3 for 62 yards. Um, there were still times where he was struggling with that deep ball accuracy. And the one that comes to mind is the miss to Watson. Um, Matt LaFleur was asked by Ryan yep. Wood about what he could do better with uh, the deep ball accuracy. And the quote was, quote, I just think he has to shut his mind off and let it rip. I think a lot of times when you try to aim something or guide it, it you're not going to be as successful, end quote. And that's what Matt LaFleur had to say about it. Um, but yeah, Dad, what do you think yeah. about loving this one? So overall, pretty good. Uh, I, you know, there's some nice on-time throws. One that really sticks in my mind is uh, one to Wicks on the right. That was a, a really nice on-time throw right to him. I mean, even some of, but but it is deep ball. So that one was probably over 10, 10 air yards. And he had completions to Dobbs as well. And the, the long one to um, Watson. But even like the long one. So he had, had Watson like had the guy beat going down to the goal line. And he underthrew yeah. him. Yeah. Even when he completed um, the first long one to Musgrave that he completed was off target. I didn't think it was that off target. If that thing's on... I, I, but he I, had to jump backwards and fall over. Did he have to? You just think he's going to fall over anyway. I, did he have to jump backwards and fall over? I am <laughs> not convinced he had to do that. I thought it was if it wasn't so high, he could have caught it and gone to the I end didn't zone. think it was that high. I just think that's how Musgrave catches. I just <laughs> think that's how he plays. Like, I, I don't think it's not even a, like I just think he's kind of Bambi right now. I, I didn't I didn't think that throw was that bad. Like, I thought that was fine. And the one to uh, Watson later, like he could have put it more to the outside, but. It's third and twelve. Like, just put it. You just he yeah. just put it on but him and let him make yeah. a play. So it's more that first one that was underthrown. Oh no, so the he first tried one was to like, fight back through it was really bad. That was a that was a really was bad like throw. Five yards underthrown. Oh, it was like because he had it was like fifteen yards underthrown. I thought maybe you're right. I because like, yeah, he, he had a guy just beat smoked, cold, smoked, smoked, smoked. He was yeah. way past him. He had to throw it earlier. He had to throw it earlier to that same spot. Like you know. Like on the release, a second and a half. Like, yeah, like like when the ball was snapped. Yeah, I, I don't know why he, yeah, he's his deep ball accuracy. And I heard people say that he's, um, and I didn't look at this enough, but I had seen on a few cases where I thought he was just like throwing balloons up there, just floating them high, taking forever to get there. Um, earlier in the year, and some people were saying that he's maybe throwing a little bit more on the line now. Um. They did tell Maybe him in the preseason. They talked. That. They they did say in the preseason they talked about like Malfoy told him they wanted more Pretty, air on the deep balls, but more air under it. Yeah. Maybe maybe we can just. I he don't took know. that a little bit too much to heart. Yeah, exactly. Because I feel like we've had he's he's been giving the defense more time to to recover and come across the field to break up passes with those. I I I think you're right because it does seem like a lot of times the the ball does hang for a while and it the safety is able to come over and make a play. There was a play against the Vikings last week down the left sideline, like he was going for the cover two hole shot. Yep, and he left it up, and the safety was able to come over. Um, and he came from like midfield. Yeah, like the plays like that, and the safety. It made wasn't a great, like he was already over there. And the safety made a great play, but it's either he's either a touch late sometimes, or he's leaving too much air on it because he's allowing. Yeah, the players are able to make a play on it. But I think for the most part, though, just to circle back, I thought Love had a really good day, or not a really good. He had a good day. He had a solid day. Um, much better completion percentage, mostly on target. Um, but yeah, uh, Dad, what did you have for positives on offense? So a successful run game, 184 yards on 4.8 yards per carry. Both of those are season highs, both both the yardage and yards per carry. They also had 156 yards and 4.7 yards per carry just for the running backs. Dylan had his highest yards per carry of the season at 4.4, and they established the run early. 11 of the first 16 plays on offense for runs. And on their first TD drive, 34 of those 41 yards were from rushes. Um, they had their best run blocking grade of the season um, per PFF at 69.3. It was the first one all year above above average. And, you know, the, Ra the Rams run D, it depends who you look at, whether they're any good or not. Um, DVOA has them bad where they're 27th, but by PFF, they have them like 7th coming in. Mm -hmm. But either way, um, the Rams are – even even in DVO, DVOA, the Rams' run defense is better than the Raiders or the Broncos, who the Packers couldn't put the run game together against. Yeah, and by, so, the, by some advanced stats – Even if you use that as the standard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, they, I was just... – they, they were able to do better. 
And I was just time. gonna I was just gonna say buy some advanced stats. It's not like a remarkable run game. Um, they were tenth in rushing success rate this week at thirty nine and a half percent, and they were fourteenth in EPA per play, or uh, rush that was rush success rate. Sorry, in rush EPA per play, they were fourteenth amongst teams in the league this week. But it was still better, and I, I think sometimes. Well, that's a big. That's a far cry from where we were. Yeah, I know. But well, they they. I were, didn't say we were great. Well, I just were, said we were improved. They were down in like the the actually they were like kind of middle like third quartile. They were like down around like eighteenth, nineteenth, I think. So they they were a little better this week. Um, I think you know the you said like four point three yards per carry for running backs. I I have some qualms with that as a stat. No, four four point seven. Amongst running backs, for the for the Packers running backs well, in the game, I still have qualms for that because, like most of that is Emmanuel Wilson having four carries for forty one yards. You got some, you got Between, a good chunk from Wilson at, in garbage time at and, the end, and it was just three point nine yards per carry between Jones and Dylan. Um, Jones specifically wasn't; he was used a lot more in this game, which I think is good, but he wasn't super. He wasn't particularly efficient. 20 carries for 73 yards, just 3.7 yards a carry, and just a long carry of nine. Um, I did think they were like, they weren't having to, okay, so how I felt about it was I didn't think the run game was amazing, but they weren't having all these negative runs. The run game was good enough where they were staying on schedule, and they were converting right. some short runs. That's That was the big thing. That was, I think, the big thing. They weren't like, oh, run run for a yard, run for a yard. Oh, it's third and eight in the first drive, and we don't have a prayer. Like, we're going to punt here. Right. I think that's the the, the big takeaway here is that they were able to run the ball and stay on schedule. Yeah. So that plays were on the table as opposed to basically not being able to run the ball and be, and, you know, playing playing on offense one-handed. And... And lefty at that, and blindfolded, <laughs> and with and on a skateboard, underwater is how the offense <laughs> felt at times. But yeah, no, I I agree though. I just think I just wanted to clarify that I think the stats make the run game sound a little better than it might have actually been. Um, just because you know when you look at the the overall carries too. I mean, you throw in a one carry for twenty one yards for Reed. Um, Love didn't carry the ball great in this game; just four carries for seven yards, but. Yeah, I just and then the Emmanuel Wilson four carries for forty three yards, which I found kind of interesting. Like that thirty one yarder was pretty nice, and they know you're running there, so I don't know. Yes, was, the way he bounced, the way he bounced it outside, he's he's got like, a little something. We we saw that in the preseason. Good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious. Though so, other curious. other people said like they should 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 they have already been kneeling by then? Maybe, but I I think it's generally <laughs> viewed as disrespectful to knee when you're not going to kneel out all of the clock. I think is is general common courtesy, and it was a seventeen point game. Who cares? Um, but anyway, so that's the offense. That anything else you wanted to add? Well, I actually, have a few more ball? minor things. Whether that I liked what they did, that they actually went for it on fourth and short near midfield, even though their 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 successful um, conversions were taken away by penalties. And it's not like they only got the conversion because of the penalties. Like you know, you get a successful run play because. The guy, you know, one of your blockers drags somebody to the ground to open up a hole. Yeah, although it's like, to be yeah, fair, what's going to happen without that penalty? I, I, to be fair, I think it, the first one you could argue, okay, you can get a little better push when you're starting half a yard downfield. To be fair, but that it second was, one, he wasn't that far. No, he wasn't. It's true, but it's a game inches, you know. And then Wicks actually, you know, he may have had that weird, crazy fumble because he like lost his balance and tried to hold on to the ball one handed while he slammed the ground. But he actually had otherwise a good gameplay to play. He he was third among wide receivers in routes run, led all wide receivers in receptions and receiving yards. Um, so I yeah. think they're trusting. They're, I think they were trusting him a little bit more. Maybe even after that fumble, they still went to him. He had a good game. Thought he blocked well as well. Uh, he's he's a good fit for this offense. Yeah, his blocking his blocking grade is actually excellent excellent for this game. Mm-hmm. And I think he's been a good blocker all year. And Watson got his first contested catch of the year, something we talked about pregame. Yeah. And the other thing we I was begging for pregame was some like passes up the middle. So we got a Musgrave touchdown up the seam. I know. That's exactly of, what I said. I, it's like I called that one up the seam. I, I, or I should say quote, I called unquote. it. I begged for it. Quote yeah, unquote well, up the seam. But but it was a beautiful play design. I think they stole it from the Niners. I think the Niners it was in the had seam like, between two defenders. Yeah, I think the Niners had just done it like a few weeks ago, I think I read. The the you know, fake to the left, fake to the right. Oh, 
tight ends, and he wanted to, he wanted to fall down. And he really wanted he to tried. fall down, but he didn't do it. But but once he got that first pass, that first stumble step, then he was good. Yes, but no, that was exciting. First career touchdown for him, super exciting. Right. Um, any concerns over Christian Watson's usage? Uh, only two targets in this one. The one catch for thirty-seven yards. Um, do you think they should be he using has him? Not more? been. I think they should be using him more, and he's had like low targets for a lot of games this year. I can't tell if it's uh, a... you could chalk it up at the beginning to the injury, but I don't know quite know what's the story. I I feel like he's That's also story. he's not getting super open, and the ways that he gets open are currently what Love is not good at, which is like go routes, which Love can't seem yeah. to connect on at all right now. So I think it's it's partially fit, partially he needs to diversify like the ways that he gets open. Um, and you know, I, I feel like they don't use them on as many crossers right now at all. Um, which... I think that's, that's what I was going to say is I think the coaching staff needs to diversify, um, what routes he's running. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree with that, but anything else on the offense side, or do you want to move over to the defense? We can move over to the defense. Okay. Defense. I actually was, I was even more impressed. Oh wait, actually things that made us think on the offense. Sorry. A couple oh. things that I wanted to add. Yeah. Um, we talked about for a second, but Sean Ryan came in for Runyon uh, in this game, and he came in for Jenkins late when the game was kind of over. But I just want to talk about, you know, him coming in for Runyon there at right guard for a series. Ryan had, and so I just wanted to compare him to Royce Newman because I wanted to see, get your thoughts on this. And this the caveat is that, you know, PFF grades aren't everything. They're just a few people's opinions on who have watched the game, like player to player, specifically looking at that player's performance and the, their opinions on how that person played. But his PFF grades were a 66.4 overall, 75.9 pass blocking, which is quite good, and then 63.9 run blocking, which is around average. And if you compare that to Royce Newman, who on the season was at 46.1 overall, 45.9 pass blocking, and 53 run blocking. And to be fair to Newman, like I think it's small... It's the the Ryan one's a very small sample size and not a, no tape on you, so like they can't be like, hey, you're bad at this. Um, when Newman was brought into spot start or spot duty against Chicago for five snaps, he graded out even better than Ryan did in this game. I do think it is interesting though that you know Ryan was a third round pick. He came in in this game and looked better than Newman had earlier. I think it's fair to be like, why was Newman and and Ryan looked better than Newman in preseason, and Newman was on the roster bubble in preseason. So I think it's fair to ask, like, why was Newman the default backup guard and not Ryan? And son, now Ryan seems to have passed him on the depth chart. But, Dad, what are your thoughts on that? Because it was weird, and it made me think. Why did it take so long? Well, why yeah, was Newman ahead of him? I had a little him? bit more. How did Newman jump ahead of him from the preseason to when the game started, when Ryan was clearly ahead of him in the preseason, and then Newman was bad in the regular season, and Ryan comes in and plays and doesn't I, look lost? Yeah. He he looks he looks solid, at least. Like, if, if you had told me, like... Newman was ahead of Ryan again in the season, like at, on the depth try, be like, yeah, okay, Ryan, like, it's just, it's not going to click. Like he's just lost out there. Like he, he needs somehow needs another year. Like it's just not going to happen. He didn't look lost. He looked fine. He was moving to people. He was blocking. Well, he was driving, he was driving people downfield. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I had like for his run blocking grade, you know, that run blocking grade, you know, it's, it's only like he played 15 snaps overall. Yeah. With, yeah. With, only with his two snaps. different stints. Um, but that run blocking grade, for the season is only behind Bakhtiari and Tom among the offensive linemen, which says more about his the offensive blocking, li- which says more about the offensive line. Well, yeah, than it does it, Ryan, but yeah. So his run blocking grade is 63.9 for the season, you know, for 15 snaps, but Runyon's is only 49.2 and his pass blocking is better than everybody else in the interior offensive line. It's, it's interesting. I just don't, I don't know how you could I watch. saw somebody tweet the idea of, well, Runyon's better on the left anyway. And Ryan's looking good, so I, Jenkins to left to left tackle. That's Jenkins, Runyon, Myers, Ryan, Tom. Because you're not Somebody wrong. Speaking out Run, there, Runyon is way better at left guard than he is a right guard. Like much, much better. Yeah, I can't remember who tweeted this, but I was like, "Oh, that's spicy! It could be." I don't hate uh, it. An upgrade. I I don't know why they suddenly don't want to move Elton Jenkins ever. They just never want to move him now. Like he's just like, oh yeah, you can do that. We're done with it. We're not doing it anymore. I don't know. I, I yeah. If they wanted to put, there's no. I, they, I think I feel like they got burned by when he's coming back from injury and so foolish. Yeah, I, I don't know. For for a team that 
so often is stuck in their ways and stays the course when perhaps they should not, like Amari Rodgers at punt returner, like certain defensive coordinators for too long, stuff like that. Special teams coordinators. Special teams coordinators for too long, and things like that. For teams that so often stay the course, for them to, in this one instance, just be like, well, that kind of burned us. Like, we're not going to do that anymore. It just seems so counter. Like, it's like the one time that I think that they would be in the right to stay the course. A player coming off injury didn't look great at a position that he was learning for the first time. Wow. Who would have ever thought? Now we'll never try him at tackle again. That just seems foolish to me. But whatever. And and, and the, the counter argument is like, well, their guard depth is horrible. It's like, yeah, fair. But if Ryan is going to play that well and they want to move running over to left guard, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. Um, anything else that made you think on offense, Dad? Um, that was it. That was it that I had for the uh, for the offense. Okay, well, let's move on to defense again for the second time. Let's let's stick there this time. Uh, but for me, Dad, I thought the defense was really good in this game. Really, really good, especially considering the limitations and personnel that they had at times. You know, Kenny missing most of this game. Um, I thought Jair actually looked really healthy, which is awesome. Great to see. Um, but. You know, you don't he have was making plays. He missed that. He yeah, looked he looked you know, spry. aggressive and and quick and not an easy not an easy uh, opponent to be going against with Cup and Puka. But um, the one thing that so no Kenny, no Quay Walker, no Rudy Ford, no Darnell Savage, no Eric Stokes. So you're you're starting a lot in the middle of the field. A lot of young guys. I mean. We'll talk about the players that that stood out in this you're, one. You're starting your third and fourth safety, your third, your fourth corner, um, yeah. your fourth corner. You're your down third your linebacker. number one defensive lineman. Yeah, your best, your, your best third lineman. linebacker. And it's it was, and it was a valiant effort the by the guys. And shout out Joe Barry for having them well, ready, as well. I think they looked. I mean, in some ways, they look kind of dominant. Well, they look dominant. I okay. I want to add the caveat that they're playing against <laughs> Brett Rippon. <laughs> And he's not good. Anyway. And we were right that he's not good. But caveat to all of this defensive talk is they were playing Brett Rippon, but they did look dominant. Let's start with the negatives, though, Dad, so we can end with the positives. I actually, I I didn't find any. I, especially considering the fact that... I, I have... I know you have one, but I just wanted to say, like, cons- I was... So considering the fact, like, you know, they're, they're playing against Brett Rippon, but also considering the fact they're playing a lot of young guys who have not played a lot and are, like, yeah. really green... And to put together the performance, they didn't. Anytime you hold an opponent to three points, especially when, like, as an the, your offense turns the ball over twice, like in your own territory, that's a great day in my opinion. But you had one negative, and I thought it was fair. Do you want to throw it in there? Yeah. So it's the the pass rush. They only had the one sack, and that was kind of on a broken play. It wasn't even a standard, you know, drop back uh, pass rush. And they only had thirteen pressures, which tied for the their lowest output of the year. Um, they'd done the 13 twice before, um, but yeah, and it's never not like, any worse than that. And it's not like Rippon wasn't throwing it. Like, he threw it 28 times, and you, you'd hope they'd get a little more pressure, yeah. especially because Havenstein did not end up playing. It ended up being Nopum, a right tackle, who had really struggled. Um, but yeah, they, you, you would have hoped they would get more pressure, but the rest of it was just so good that I can't even be mad. Um, yeah. Do you want to start with... To go back. Maybe they were, uh, um, you know, sending, rushing three a lot. I did feel like it, but I I don't know they, the exact numbers on it. They were rushing like three or four. They didn't really go kind of crazy on the rush, and and it worked. Committing, so committing to the rush. Who are we to question it? But Dad, I, I noticed that you said you had something about the run defense, and I think that's a great place to start. Um, for the day, they held the Rams running backs to fifty-one yards on twenty-two carries, so fewer than three yards a carry, which is wild because we talked about going to this game. Is like man. Couldn't you just see a game where Brett Rippon only has to throw it eight times and they just run it down the Packers' throat all day? And especially considering the fact yep. no Kenny Clark in this game and no Quay Walker in this game, spine of the defense, no Rudy Ford in this game, like th- probably three of your better run defenders down the middle, and the Packers' run defense showed up in this one, Dad. Do you want to talk about it a little bit? Yeah, so they gave up for the – and this wasn't just the running backs – 2.6 yards per carry, uh, which is their second lowest of the season after, behind only the two – um, 0. 0.0 yards per carry they gave up to Minnesota. So they're they're trending up, let's say. Um, and I also like the, the the support they're getting from the secondary at the line of scrimmage. Um, so stops, which is like a tackle as a loss for the offense, 
Four stops for Keyshawn, three for Jair, and one each for Owens and Valentine. Um, so a couple of those were, were tackles for a loss, too. The one, and Owens forcing the fumble, and uh, Jair had a t- what was a tackle for a loss. And um, I think Valentine had a tackle for a loss. So they were really, yeah, work doing doing some work in the run game. They they were getting after it by EPA per play this week per RBSDM. They were the second best run defense in the league to only the Ravens. Um, they were like tenth. Who think, actually by... who absolutely curb stomped the uh, yeah the Seahawks. The Seahawks. Too. My goodness, you know that Lamar is like eighteen and one versus the NFC. He's only lost one time. Isn't that kind of a weird stat? Um, it is worse. I did. And, I heard him say that during the game. And they were only like thirteenth um, by success rate against the run, but like they just so much better than they had been. I mean, they they'd been good against Minnesota too, yeah. but Minnesota was not a good run offense. Like the Rams' run offense was pretty. Caveat: playing against Brett Rippin, you can load up against the run. I get it. I get it. I get it. But still, better than I would have expected, even. And and a great showing. A yeah. great showing. And and the only way you were really going to lose this game was if they ran all over you, and you didn't let them do that. So kudos. Um, yeah, um, per stat muse, they had five tackles for a loss um, per game before this week. So they're averaging five tackles for a loss. And so this game, they had five tackles for six tackles for a loss against the run, plus a sack and an additional three tackles for zero yards. Yeah. I mean, the young the young players played so well in this game. And that was my big positive is the young depth pieces. Is there anything else yeah. on the, the run game you wanted to well, add? Th- oh, no, I have a little bit on the pass game. Okay. So take, not on the run game. Take it away. Seven pass breakups. Yeah. Their previous high on the year was five, and their second highest was only three. And they have a couple games with zero. I know. I remember that Denver game. It was like it was like twelve targets, eleven catches, no PBUs. It's like, oh my goodness. And yeah, yeah they were so it's a huge difference compared to what they were doing before. Yeah, I mean they the young members of the secondary specifically, but I'm just going to talk about the young members of the defense were so great. Carrington Valentine, man. I mean, my goodness, one catch on eight targets. For 14 yards, and he also had a stop that you talked about. He was the highest highest graded defender per PFF for the Packers. I mean, when you're going against guys like Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup, and he had Puka Nakua like pretty much the whole game in clamps, and he was letting him know about it the entire game long. I I love watching him play. And we had talked about like in the preseason, and I know he didn't play well against the Broncos, and I know it's Brett Rippin, but the preseason people were talking about we need to find a way to get Carrington Valentine on the field, and there's snaps available for him. And if he keeps playing like this, my goodness, like he was out of his he mind. He might just take that, take that starting job and, and run away with and it. And never give it back. I know. And beyond that though, yeah. um, Isaiah, Mc- so I'm just going to talk about the I'm young hope, guys. I'm hoping he play, keeps playing this well. I'm me too. <laughs> Shoot. And uh, just talking about the young guys and the depth guys that were forced into bigger spots playing great in this one. Isaiah McDuffie. I mean, my goodness, seven tackles, four stops per PFF, which is like any play that constitutes a failure for the offense. Um, average depth of tackle on run plays of 0.4 yards. So he's hitting any any tackles he's making in the run game are right at the line of scrimmage or way That's behind like it. That's like defensive lineman kind of number there. Exactly. Carl As Brooks, a linebacker. Carl Brooks and Kobe Wooden were great. Wooden had a key stop and a pressure, um, beating beating a double team, I think, if I remember correctly. Oh, no. The announcer said it was a double team, and then it wasn't, and then the announcer got a little sheepish. It was kind of funny. Um, and then Brooks had two pressures, two passes batted down, and a stop. Uh, and and helped um Lucas Van Ness get his tackle for a loss as well. He was the main. He just blew for up it. that run play yeah. by pushing whoever was trying to block him into the middle of the, the running lane. Yeah, LVN, so there was nowhere for him to go. LVN owes him a firm handshake after this that one because he got him that one. Uh, Anthony Johnson Jr. first pick of his career also had a big hit that jarred loose uh passed uh, pass to um Tyler Higby, and overall didn't look lost out there, and and looked pretty like. A safety making his first start, and he and he looked good. He looked pretty good. I love, I love that they decided to start him instead of going with because we talked about it. It was like the previous yeah, times they might go with Levitt again. Well, the previous times they'd gone, they'd gone Owens and Levitt, and I'm just like the whole point of this year is developing young talent. What are we learning by starting a player who is never going to play safety ever, ever, ever? Like the whole point is to see what you have in these young players, and they did that. So shout out to Joe Barry and the defensive coaching staff for going with Johnson. This one, he looked good. And then Jonathan Owens forced fumble. Didn't look lost. Looked, look playable. This, the safeties like wh- whoever's coaching the safeties must be doing a decent job because there's a super talent deficiency back there. And they haven't even been like a top five problem to me, like on the year. I and would say we have felt like 
when it, almost every safety who's gone out there has overperformed expectations this year. Yeah, I a hundred percent. I think that's totally fair to say. And and for a unit that people were maligning is like this might be the worst unit on any defense in the NFL. And on paper, it was hard to disagree with them because it's like, well, Savage is your best safety, and uh, he hasn't been great the past few years. And your other safety is Rudy Ford, who's a special teamer. And then they're we're onto their backups, backups. So, and the fact that they're still playing well. I get that it's Brett Rippon, but still, progress. Um, so, yeah, the young guys in this were really good. Uh, the secondary, I just wanted to add a couple things that you already talked about, but they held Cup and Puka to just a combined line of five catches for 80 yards on 14 targets, and they didn't let Tutu Owl get loose either. Four catches on seven targets, but for only 13 yards. That's excellent. Great tackling as well. And then third down and fourth down defense. Uh, held the Rams to 5 of 14 on third down and 0 of 2 on fourth down. They... They really just set the tone in this game, like almost the entire game on defense. And consi- I know- and considering the like limitations of personnel when like you have so many players out or on IR or knocked out during game, so impressive. So impressive to dominate the line of scrimmage against a team that had run the ball well, like regardless of who's playing quarterback, they had run the ball well, to tackle well, to guard these receivers who were some of the best receivers, like having some of the best receiver seasons in the league this year. With rookie with rookie seventh round corners, Shot, hands hat, hats off to the defense in this one. You held them to three points. Well, like, that's a, crazy. A rookie seventh round corner starting and a rookie seventh round safety. Six, seventh round safety. Yeah, he was one of their four seventh rounders. Anthony Johnson Jr. was. Yeah, two two rookie seventh rounders in the secondary, and I and like yeah, you're playing you're playing the backup, but it's still they're playing the backups too. So, but yeah, a great showing, a great showing from the Packers young guys, Packers depth. Great turn from the Packers coaching staff, getting these guys ready to play. When yeah. when we talked so I mean, much, I this would year, say watching. Well, I was, I was just going to say when we talked so much. Say, when we okay, talked so much this year about how often they have been not ready to play, I think we got to at least give them give them a shout out when they are ready to play. You know, and 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 when yeah. you have like essentially lesser talented players ready to play. Um, but sorry, go ahead with what you were going to say. I was going to say that I felt like when Rippin when he had receivers open. He was he was hitting them mostly, sometimes, occasionally. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> it's a little easier when you can just kind of like trigger really hard downhill because you know they're not going to necessarily be throwing bombs over your head. You know, um, but yes. Dad, anything else on defense that you wanted to shout out? I just have a couple of things that you made me think, or shout outs, or whatever you want to call them. Um, so their yards after catch per reception. The, the Packers only gave up 3.7 to the Rams. For the season, they're averaging 5.1. And taking that together with the number of pass breakups they had this game, it kind of matches my first impression that the Green Bay coverage was actually good, that they were on they were on the receivers, and not just that Brippen couldn't hit anybody, but that actually they were in position to make a play when, a, when there was a play to be made. And kind of t- following up, continuing that theme of like tackling and getting to the ground quickly, and what you're saying about how well McDuffie was playing, you know, so this is his best graded game of the season with the seven tackles and four stops. And his missed tackle percentage for the year is like 4.3. It's kind of the same range. And Campbell's like 4.2 and or 4.1. One of Campbell is 4.2 and the other is 4.8, but they're all less than five. And for the season, they only have seven missed tackles out of like 150 total tackles. Um, so the, the middle of their defense is really doing a good job on the uh, – um, I'm bringing players to the ground. It's like I think McDuffie has two missed tackles, Campbell has two missed tackles, and Quay has three. Yeah, and I was just looking. I was curious if McDuffie was under contract for next year for the Packers. He is. I feel like he's been really good this year. Like whenever they've had to call on him, uh, he's played well. I, I, I have been like pretty impressed with him this year in terms of like – I mean, we know his limitations. He's kind of smaller. Um, he has trouble getting off a of block sometimes. But when he's able to be kept clean and just shoot gaps, like the tackling's been good. The size hasn't been an issue from a tackling perspective so far this year. Right. That was the thing. We were talking about, you know, his his arms aren't very long and whether that would impact his ability, his, his tackling ability. But his tackling this year has been really good. Yeah. And like, like he's not a player without limitations, but I think he's a player where it's like, I feel really good with him as the third linebacker right now. Like I feel like he's one of the better third linebackers in the league because I feel like every time they've had to go to him in spots, in spots, he's he's answered the bell every single time. 
Um, anything else you wanted to add on defense or do you want to move on to special teams and start wrapping this thing up? I think that uh, was everything I had on, on defense. Okay, special teams. Uh, caveat, as with everything in this game, uh, the weather was pretty bad. Uh, it was rainy. The grass was cut people up. Were fall- people were falling Players down. Players were slipping around. There was a bit of a breeze. Um, Carlson's second miss of the season. Uh, it wasn't a very long one. I actually forgot to write down how long it was. Um, I think it was 48. For the... For the reference, he he still went two of three uh, on field goals and two of two on extra points. Um, so, you know, he, he answered back. That missed field goal was, in fact, a 48-yarder uh, at the 40, end. 48-yarder, yeah, yeah. at the end of the half. Um, hold looked fine. He just, you know, just missed it. It happens sometimes. I'm not really not going to get worked it, up on it. Left. Yeah, it happens. And he made one later, and he made the rest of his kicks, so. You know, come see, come saw. Um, punt returning was pretty good in this one, Dad. Uh, they had a couple returns from a couple different guys. Um, they had a 22-yard return from Reed, a 15-yard return from Nixon, and then a 51-yard kick return uh, from Nixon as well. So returning in this game in general was quite good. Yeah, we've, we finally got the payoff on it for uh, Nixon taking it out of the end zone and getting it to midfield, and then we promptly fumbled it. Don't worry about it. We're just talking about special teams now. We're not talking about the offense. Right. Maybe leaving the door open a little too much. But yeah, special teams was pretty good in this one. Uh, nothing terrible. A couple penalties, but it is what it is. I don't know if we gave them a single return, a single kickoff return, either. Is that right? I think it was put everyone into the end zone. Uh, they had no. They had a couple returns. They had a return for thirty-six yards and a return for twenty yards. Okay. On kick returns. I'm trying to remember. I was thinking. Of, I guess I was thinking about the beginning of the game. Yeah, but so, but a good showing from the special teams, I would say. Uh, punting was whatever, but anything else on the special teams you wanted to add, or should we wrap things up? Player of the game. Um, I had, I had Aaron Jones because I felt like he made such a difference. Okay. I mean, he may have been efficient running, but seventy-three rushing yards, a rushing touchdown, and four catches for twenty-six yards. I think he did. He, you know, so he did well. Yeah, no, he had a really good game. By far the highest usage he's had this year. Looks like he's at least feeling up for that. He wasn't super efficient with those touches, and he he maybe didn't look quite like prime speed-wise Aaron Jones, but they needed him. For me, uh, I think I had to go player of the game. It it was tough. I I was actually between three guys. I was between Jair, uh, who had a really good game. We didn't actually get a chance to talk about him yet. Great game. Looked great. Multiple pass breakups. Caused Anthony Johnson's uh, interception. Just popped it up to him. Uh, he was the reason that play happened. A um, couple tack, uh, I think, like one hard tackle at the line as well, and just a yeah, really. Yeah, well, he 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 got got one of the tackles for a loss. Um, on uh, who was it? He tackled. I can't remember now. But, but he yeah. got him in the backfield there when they, they were trying to go left. He was ball. he was in the conversation for me. He got a game ball from Matt Lafleur after the game. Uh, they posted the video. Um, and then McDuffie was in the conversation for me. I thought he just played so well in a spot where. You know, he wasn't I, I on Friday essentially Quay Walker came in and couldn't practice, so probably, you know, knew two days in advance that he'd be starting in this game. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready, as they say. Uh but for yeah, me Yeah, that was the thing like about Quay like popping up on the injury report partway through the week with a groin pull of some kind. It's like oh, okay, yeah, well that probably doesn't not sound fine. good. Yeah, but thankfully, you know, McDuffie was up for the task. But for me, overall, player of the game was Carrington Valentine for me. Especially when you can like project this going forward to the fact that there is, there are open snaps at that other outside corner spot right now. And you can be excited about that because, you know, he took Puka Nakua was what, like fourth in receiving yards in the league going into this game. And Carrington Valentine just ate his lunch the entire day. Like I, that's so, that's super exciting to me. Stole, stole his, stole his lunch, stole his lunch, stole his lunch money, stole his snacks. Yep. Emptied his pockets, beat him up. But yeah, no, and and let him know yeah. about it too after yeah. every play. Let him know about it after every play. The finger wag, the the no. He was he would get a pass breakup and then sprint to the Packers sideline and start like yelling at them, be like, "I'm here, I'm here." It was very fun yeah. to watch. So and, he was my player. And coming again. in, Nakua was actually third in the league in receiving yards. Um, receiving yards. Yeah. So second in targets and fourth in first downs converted. Yeah, not an easy matchup, and and he was with him every single step of the way, and it was really exciting. So he was my player of the game, Dad. Anything else for this game that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance to, or should we let our dear listeners wrap well, things up? We finally I just say like since you 
well, since you brought up Jair, it's like, I felt like it, this is the first game I felt like we have him back. Yes, where he's playing um, like at Jair level. His yeah. run defense grade and his tackling grades were easily his best for the year. Yeah. As well as as um coverage grade. I mean, you could just like tell to, in that Vikings form. You could just tell in that Vikings game and the and the Raiders game before it like he just couldn't move right in those games and and we know what real Jair looks like and this was a lot closer to it. But dad, the Packers finally back in the win column after over a month. They are 3 and 5. It's not always pretty, but it is good to win sometimes. And it's what good is to the look- said we're going to win 10 10- Ten, ten straight. He said, he said, "Why not win ten straight?" I think, or something like that. He's like, "Hey, if they yeah, want to so, do it, well, we had we had to get we had to get this one." Yep, got to win one to win ten in a row. You know, um, you know what they say, Dad. You got to lose five games if you're going to go twelve and five. That's that's just that's right, just we math. just got them out of the way. Exactly. That's just math. <laughs> we just wanted to be on a hot streak at the end of the season. Um, but no, yeah. So exciting. Packers skip the skid. They will be playing the. Goodness, do you remember who this next on Steelers? The Steelers next Steelers. week. Steelers. That's going to be another it, it, ugly, Pittsburgh. ugly game. Uh, that's going to be a tough one too. Yeah, that so they got a tough defense, but they're you know it's another bad quarterback. If we're being honest, not not the same level, but not a great quarterback. No, at least. no, but not a great quarterback. Uh, yes. Bottom bottom third, it's somewhere bottom there. Qu- quarter. Uh we'll talk about all of this on the pregame this week. When we talk a little bit, right? About... So tune in. That was a teaser. Exactly. Teaser, listeners. That was a teaser for our upcoming uh, pregame show. Yes, we'll be doing a pregame on Packers Steelers. Don't you worry. We'll be talking about it. We'll be hopefully doing another postgame next week. But we don't want to get uh, after a win. But I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We're going to enjoy this win in the meantime. Like we said, Packers win twenty to three over the Rams. Improved to three and five. They are still third in the NFC North. Um, but you never know what might happen. Maybe this is time Packers going a little bit of a heater. And just keep your eye on them. Keep your eye on the Packers because if they just are competent going forward, I'll still take it. But if they're competent, they, they're they not an untalented team. That's all I'm going to say. But anyway, thank you so much for listening, listeners. Like we said earlier, if you like what you heard here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at FatherSonPacker. We tweet out pieces of stats we find interesting, articles we find interesting whenever we have new episodes, pieces of Packers news, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Follow us and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple, Pod- Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube. Put all our episodes out there as well. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We would really help. Uh, we would really appreciate it. It would really help our numbers. Thank you again, though. And until next time, until the preview pod for the Steelers, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. <laughs>